I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. <laughs> You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Welcome back to For the Lore. This is Roger, and with me, same as usual, we got Joe as well as Vince, and we also have a special guest. Quite a while back, he appeared on the show along with some of his staff to discuss a little game that was soon to be released, a little something by the name of Torchlight, which took the world by surprise and won a metric fuckton of awards, justifiably as well. And now, the CEO for Runic Games is back on the show to discuss the sequel to that game, Torchlight 2. So, Max Schaefer, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to be back. How's it going? It's going fantastic. So I'm going to start here with a quote that I've got from you that actually really says a lot about why, perhaps the why for Torchlight 2. Um, you had said, we're still going to be making the MMO, but it became apparent that Torchlight 2 was a logical next step for us, given the phenomenal enthusiasm of gamers petitioning us for multiplayer. Now, was that the only or main driving force towards creating Torchlight 2 versus the MMO, or was it that... After completing Torchlight, you kind of realize how much work would be involved in creating the MMO. So obviously the next logical step would be to just work on a, a multiplayer version of the original. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's part of it. Uh, I think both, you know, it, it's a logical next step and it's also uh, a matter of realizing what we would have to do to make a compelling MMO of Torchlight. Um, you know, we are still a new company and haven't developed a whole lot of multiplayer or any multiplayer technology <laughs> prior to, to Torchlight 2. And, uh, you know, it, it, the, the world of MMOs is such a high stakes, you know, uh, sort of big, uh, uh, big money, big commitment sort of realm that um, you don't want to go into it without all your, you know, with all, with, without being prepared. Um, and uh, so we wanted, you know, it makes sense for us technologically to do this, but it also just seemed like it would be a really fun game to make and a fun game to play without having to go the whole MMO route. Um, you know, it was, you know, I, I think Torchlight, it just, it just screamed multiplayer right off the bat, even when we were playing it, you know, Torchlight 1 back in the office. And, uh, you know, to do an MMO, you got to do a lot more and some things differently and worry about a huge community, whereas we could do a, uh, you know, a, a good multiplayer Torchlight a lot faster and a lot a lot safer for the company. Well, when you're actually planning, and, and, and I'm assuming the plan still is to eventually work on that MMO, correct? Yes. Yes. So, uh, when, but uh, we take the MMO uh, moniker, though, broadly. You know, we don't, what we don't want to do is make a MMO that's just like every other MMO, but it's in the Torchlight world. Right. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So then when you are still thinking about it, even taking that into consideration, when you're thinking about that, thinking about what is out right now and even discounting, wow, because you can't even put that in the same equation, but looking at your, your Guild Wars 2, your Terra, your Star Wars The Old Republic that are coming out, 
when you're thinking about it then, are you actually thinking of it in more of a positive, hopeful, really like this would be exciting and fun? Or is there quite a bit of fear that what you've built up with Torchlight can be, you can lose a hell of a lot of money on a failed MMO like we've seen? Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of us came from the, the former flagship studios and we know exactly how horrible it is when things go wrong. Um, and so, yeah, there's part of it is, is nervousness that, you know, if we're doing this MMO, we want to make sure that it's going to be successful, that we have the staff and the people to do it. And we have the right design that makes it so that people are actually going to want to buy it when you're done with it. You know, there's a lot of MMOs out there that were competently put together and, uh, technically decent, but just didn't capture the imagination of the public. Um, so you really have to be sure of yourself. When we first talked to you, uh, Torchlight was just coming out, and we started to talk about how you guys had a plan for the future, not just the MMO, but how you wanted things to progress as a company as a whole. How have those plans for the future changed so far, if at all? If you would refresh my memory on what I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Insert clip here. Uh, the, the wanting to grow, uh, the, the wanting to grow the brand, and basically uh, become you know bigger and more successful, obviously, but also right. to sort of take Torchlight and grow it into something that's much bigger than what it started as. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think it's gone, I think it's gone really well. Uh, you know, we just between the PC and the Mac and the Xbox versions of Torchlight one, we feel like that people out there pretty much know what Torchlight is and gamers are aware of us and, and, uh, you know, hopefully have a pretty good opinion of it. And so I think to that extent, we've, we've really, we've really succeeded. Um, we still want to stay a small company forever. We don't want to grow and become a big giant developer, nor do we want to do only Torchlight stuff for the rest of our lives. So we have, you know, it, it, it takes some sort of on the fly decision making to figure out when it's appropriate to be doing uh, the MMO or another project or further Torchlight multiplayer stuff. Or do we want to go mobile or, or, uh, or tablet, yes. Yes. you know, Yes, <laughs> those there. Freaking Promise. torchlight on iPad. Make it happen. <laughs> Believe me, you're not the first person to say that. Oh, or on the Vita, <laughs> on the, the PSP thing, Vita. A lot of those were good ideas that I listed off there, though, and there's no way that we can do them all because we really can only do one thing at a time with the size we are. Uh, so it's going to be some tough decisions as we go forward of figuring out, okay, what really makes sense for the company, for the brand, for ourselves personally, you know, our, our sanity. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it, it, it's tough. I think that we're kind of charting a somewhat unique route and that we're not trying to become the next blizzard. Um, you know, we're not trying to take over the world and have a giant company. We want to be able to make cool games that are efficiently put together by a small team that, that, uh, you know, are sold at a ridiculously great value. That's what we want to be known for rather than like growing into something completely giant. What about though, having two separate teams that are still falling within the, the runic umbrella, wherein you could have two separate development teams that could be working on different projects, not huge, like in the scope of the MMO, but you've shown that you can have a tremendous amount of success. Case in point, congratulations on going platinum with Torchlight. Big Yay. props to you guys. <laughs> but you've shown that you can do amazing things with what, like, like what you just said too, cheap games that are very, very addictive, fun to play that everybody talks about. You could have two development teams working on those types of games that are just different IPs. 
Ah, if it were only so easy. <laughs> <laughs> we've, you know, we, we've historically, even back at Blizzard, had a lot of trouble splitting into uh, two teams uh, when you were previously one. Um, it's really, it's not impossible. And, and that's, you know, pr probably something that eventually we'll have to look to doing because, you know, even at 30 people, it's, uh, it's difficult to have 30 people all with something to do all the time. So, you know, it sort of does make sense to have different things going on just so people can move from one thing to another as they, as you know, their effectiveness is no longer needed. Um, but it's really complicated. It's very hard to have two teams without their, you know, introducing some weird politics into it, you know, because who's going to be on what team and who's responsible for what, um, as well as, have, you know, it's not necessarily trivial to have two really good ideas that you should be working on. Um, so it, it's something that we, we're open to, but right now we're kind of approaching it as if we're going to have to be, of the things we're considering, they seem like full team ideas. So, you know, whether it's, whether it's you know, going right onto Xbox Torchlight 2, making uh, uh, further expansions for Torchlight 2, or uh, uh, making the MMO next, all of them seem like big things that would take all of us right now. So right now our mindset is, is staying sort of a, you know, a one thing team. Well, that's that's that is a good idea. Well, going back to uh, the release of Torchlight, um, if you were to look back at that, if you could change one thing at the release, whether it was marketing or anything in the game, anything at all, what would it have been? <sighs> that is a very good question. You know, I always have thought about, uh, you know, whether or not we were uh, wise to price it at 20 bucks. So I'd like to just like run a couple of parallel universes at different prices and see what happens <laughs> because it's, you know, it's, it's really speculative. Um, the other thing is we're, we're not 100 percent sure that it was profitable or profitable for us to sell boxes at all. Um, just by the way, the economics work, you know, we, we do five times better with a steam sale. Uh, than we do with a box purchased in Walmart. Um, so if one of those people at Walmart would have bought it from Steam, had we not had boxes, it would have netted the same amount of money. So we, we you know, but at the same time, some people really like boxes, so we want to we want to accommodate them too. But we're not sure that we didn't lose money by doing so. Well, this day and age, too, that's that's not something you need anymore, really. Um, no, you don't really, you don't need to. I mean, look, look at what the Minecraft guys are doing. Yeah. Uh, or guy or what is doing, um, you know, with just selling off his site, he doesn't even go with Steam. Um, so yeah, no, it is. It's entirely possible to go without boxes, and I think that that's the way the business is heading anyway. There's still parts of the world where you need boxes, um, but uh, you know, especially with the U.S., uh, it's it's becoming very ambiguous as to whether you need them at all. Yeah. Okay. Now we are a podcast, of course, that focuses on story-driven games. And though some folks may think that you really can't put too much story in a dungeon crawler, you proved them wrong with Torchlight. Now there was an insane amount of lore in Torchlight that made it fun, and I'm wondering how much more there's going to be in Torchlight too. Because I mean, sure, we're hearing that the sections are bigger, the monsters are cooler, the loot is to die for. But yeah. what about the story? How much more can we expect from the stories? Well, the story is not only is there more story, but it's better story. You know, it's actually better thought out this time. We really didn't write a whole lot of story until we were almost done with the game in Torchlight 1. And th when we did write story for it, it wasn't written by anyone that would resemble anything like a writer. So this time we actually have a professional writer on staff helping us out with it. Um, and the story is better. You know, it's more coherent what's going on. The world is more flushed out and, and makes more sense. Um 
and uh, and it's it, it's it's pretty satisfying. I've just spent pretty much the last we we work on it constantly, by the way. So the story is radically changing every few days. But uh, I just did a run through of of the whole early part of the game that uh, with a whole new update we just did this morning, and it it's making sense and 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 it's interesting and it's and it's kind of driving my my play a lot better than it did in Torchlight One and a lot better than it has to date in Torchlight Two. So it's it's pretty exciting. Um, I would not say that we're ever going to be a story heavy game. Um, and, uh, and we really want to make it feel like you're the star of the, of the story of the world. So, uh, we really mostly give you a context and a lore and a history and a series of events that are happening around you. But the idea is that you are the hero of this and by your actions, you are going to, uh, uh, you know, either save the world or, you know, um, whatever it is. So, uh, we really want to focus on, on tell on, on having a better context and history in the world and telling it to you in a more coherent and efficient way, but not necessarily giving you more to read and think about, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Now, that being said, do you have a main story arc throughout the story right now, throughout the game, or is it just a whole bunch of mini stories throughout? Um, we do have a story arc uh, that that drives you throughout the game. However, there's a lot more going on in the world than just the story arc. Uh, so... Um, it, we do have also sort of what I would consider mini stories that you may never even see playing the game. Um, you know, it just depends if that uh, that little event or person and dungeon and quest happened to generate with your random levels or it didn't. Um, but in aggregate, they all kind of just fill in the, the back history of the world. But every player will get the core main storyline that you go along. And is it short enough that you can give it to us in a couple of sentences? Not a chance because it is, it is changed. It, whatever I would tell you, I would guarantee that would be the part that we change tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Are you writing it in such a way that you can add to it later via DLC or expansions? Um, absolutely. Uh, we, we could. That's, there's a, that would be, that would be uh, pretty easy, especially with the way we're selling on Steam and stuff. And uh, the game itself, the way it's set up, it's kind of modular and put together out of building blocks. It just lends itself to that sort of thing. So absolutely, we would be able to do that. Because that's something that we saw when you were working on D2, that it opened itself so well to those expansions to further continue the story. So this being that obvious comparison, you're you're seeing the same kind of thing where in that story could be carried on forever because the ip is so strong yeah and that's part of the cool thing about expanding the world we have uh in with torchlight 2 you know in torchlight 1 it was so narrowly focused on just that little town and what was happening under the dungeon by really opening up the world you also open up a lot of opportunity to tell more stories about different events and different contexts that have made up this whole world so it's it's pretty cool I've read about things like the uh, player characters from the first game showing up as NPCs in this one. How much of the story in Torchlight 2 is tied into the events from the first game? Um, it, they are consistent with the events of the first game, but I would say that that um, we're we're kind of taking off from that point. But that the, but what happened in Torchlight wasn't necessarily the most important thing that's happened in this world. Um, so. It's sort of all new, and it makes reference to what happened in Torchlight and the uh, and 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 so forth. I'm I'm getting pinged by Wonder right now. I'm sorry. So am I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I. I was asking her uh, if the podcast was on earlier, and she's out of town. So, um, and uh, so. I'm sorry, I've lost totally what I was talking about. <laughs> this is what. Thank you, Wonder. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, what, what, what it was about uh, uh, the, the the first game. And yeah, the first game leading into this one. So yeah, yeah, I mean, and you will so you will hear from the NPCs from Torchlight One, you know, all, or the character types rather. Um, but they are not a huge part of the game, and uh, uh, you know we're kind of moving on from it. The whole idea was not to retread what happened in Torchlight very much, but really kind of move on and tell a new, different story. Okay. Well, to focus in on something that really drew my attention, um, some of us here on the show have what could be described as an unhealthy obsession with dwarves. Oh, <laughs> only and one of I us. Re- I, I really liked the uh, the twist that Torchlight Two has on the traditional dwarven role. So, how much can we expect to see of the the dwarven lore in this game? Uh, maybe not the dwarves themselves, because you said they were killed off, but at least their society. Uh, yeah, I would I would uh, say that you will see a lot more of the dwarves in this time. <laughs> so <laughs> your uh, your obsession will be uh, will be rewarded. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as far as the uh, the questing structure, is there going to be more variation beyond just go here, kill that? Uh, yeah, we're trying to. Um, you know, it, it's it's always easy to talk about those sort of things, but when you have to make fifty quests or hundred quests, <laughs> you start to run out of ideas um, that you can make. But yeah, they're very they're definitely cooler this time. They're more involved. They involve different sorts of triggers and puzzles. Um, so from my playthroughs right now, they they seem like they're just they're just better and more fun than they were before. I love the quote from one of your level designers that I read where they said that some tile sets some tile sets shaped the stories and others were shaped by the story. And to me that says a lot because what it means is that the whole game, not just NPCs and players, but also the entire environment is actually contributing to the story, which is what we found with yeah. Torchlight and we can expect a lot more with Torchlight 2 apparently. Yeah, and you know, it kind of goes back to the iterative way that you make a game. That you know, you you start out with an idea for for a story um, and a context and a world, and you start to make it, and you start to make these dungeons that are elaborately laid out, and you start to ascribe some lore to them as you're making the story, but. Also, you start, you know, the, what, once you start to build it, it, it build it, it takes on a little bit of a life of its own. So, you know, the way that you've set up a dungeon and what it's looking like when you're playing it kind of gives you inspiration to alter the story to more be- to better reflect what you're seeing. Um, and it is only pop uh, only possible to do that if you're constantly sort of reevaluating and uh, and uh, remaking things and 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 willing to completely undo a bunch of work you've done and start over, which is sometimes very frustrating. Um, but you know, the, the end result is that it all sorts of feeds off itself. The story informs what we're making and then what we're making then goes back and, and feeds back onto the story. Well, it's not just that, but it's, you guys have got a good grasp on, you want to create an action fun game that still has a lot of story, but it has to be something that you want to keep playing and not put down. So by, (laughs) by virtue of the fact that you're, you're, you have to change how the story is in the game and so make it in such a way so that the environment, the people and everything, it's not about reading tons of quests. It's about being a part of that world. And it sounds again, more and more as they're talking about the level design, that that's exactly what they're doing. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a lot of the changes that I've said that we've been making lately have been based on sort of playthroughs and making sure that not only are you telling a a story, but it's proceeding at a pace that's conducive to play. Um, And that sometimes involves level changes and sometimes involves story changes. Uh, But, yeah, it all kind of has to work together so that you're uh, you're immersed in the story, but you're also dying to get that next cool sword. You know, it all it all goes hand in hand. At E3, you mentioned that the game will be divided into three primary acts plus an end game act. Uh, 
They also mentioned that each act will contain multiple dungeons and passes. Um, and you also mentioned that each act is bigger than all of the original Torchlight. How does that translate into actual hours played? You know what? Since we're changing it all the time, it, we, we're not uh, we're not sure. Um, and in fact, it's one of these tough questions because uh, everything can affect it. Like if you just change the way armor works, it might add twenty percent to the total length of the game because you know it, it, it's a little bit harder to kill things now, and you, you might be a little bit harder to be killed. So little things that we're doing radically change it as we go. Um, I would say that there is. Uh, you know, just as a super rough estimate, and please don't take these numbers as anything like I've actually totaled anything up, but I would guess that there's, it, it, if I had to hazard a guess, it would be roughly double the length in play, but maybe four times the amount of content. Okay. As towards I want. Is that but that's that, that's a super rough, and and we're that's not even I, we've never really even talked about what raw numbers are. Uh, okay. Yeah, and and it's subject to change, um, but that's kind of my sense of of it by playing it right now so as much as you've expanded the world from the first game to the second uh, from what i understand it's still a very small percentage of the larger world that you guys have at least theoretically designed so how much of the design in torchlight 2 was uh intended for setting up this larger world for an eventual eventual bigger game um i think that it wasn't really uh, consciously to set up a bigger world for a, a, a later game as, as it was, uh, you know, that we wanted to have, uh, once you start to flush out the world and go to different cities, you kind of imply a story of, of, of more than you're actually able to tell about. Um, so we kind of, we, we make torchlight lore, uh, that is greater than what we're making kind of just to, uh, to make what we're making make sense sometimes. Um, and to kind of give us the sandbox in which we get to play, you know, you know in Torchlight 2. So you kind of have to have those things that are set in this world that are true in order to be able to design the tiny subset of it that you're going to make. Um, now, we don't go to anywhere near the detail, of, you know, of a Tolkien or something who's inventing <laughs> the languages and things like that. Yeah, we just kind of have really we have more like a small amount of bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> So what you're saying is it's not the wiki that they have for Bioware for Mass Effect. No, 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 It's no, more no. of a Cliff's Note version. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, when we're looking at some of the game mechanics that we're going to be seeing here now, seeing as it's going to be a larger world because of the different sections, how are you planning on setting up travel? Are you gonna are we like hoofing it all over the place, or are you gonna be adding more portals that aren't just links back to town, but also to other sections for faster travel and whatnot? Yeah, there are going to be there will be waypoints out in the wilderness now, so uh, it'll it'll be easier to get around than just hoofing it around. We really don't like the idea of you having to walk very much um, to get to where you're going to be. So uh, there are every now and then out in the world, there's a waypoint, and once you've touched it, you can always get back to there. You need to put mountain, dude. Find a way. That'd be awesome. Mounts, I know, I know. Oh, I know. dude. <laughs> you got all these amazing creatures in there, and I keep thinking, oh, I want to ride one of those. Get me a saddle. Okay, I'll show him who's boss. Okay, you also showed us some amazing armor as well at E3 that just really made my jaw just drop. You would not believe what a small percent of the armors in the game that were shown in that clip either. Um, that is a tiny. That is a, a just a taste of what's of what we have in. Um, but yeah, there's some really radically different uh, armor sets, and it gets really interesting when you start to combine them. You know, because that's kind of way the a specifically designed set looks all together. 
Um, and uh, you can make just millions and millions of really cool looking combinations by mixing them up too. And um, how hard is it going to be to collect one of those uh, pre-designed sets? And are they going to be class specific? Um, well, some of them are, are, they're not necessarily set items that give you additional attributes as you get them, but are, are the same level and design of armor for a particular point in the game. So it's not necessary. it's about, you know, so though that particular look can come in just a regular item, a magic item, a rare item, you know, or whatever. Um, so they're not all sets, but with respect to sets, which we are doing, we're trying to make them a lot more plausible that you get multiples of them by grouping them together in, in, in areas and having them drop more, uh, you know, more frequently within that level range that, that they're operative in. Um, because we realized that the, that both in the Diablos and Torchlight 1, uh, you'd get one of a set and it would be pretty yeah. rare that you'd, get, <laughs> be pretty rare that you'd even get a second one. So, uh, yeah, we realized that had to, that had to be fixed and I have found multiples of sets just in my regular play. So it's, it's working pretty well. And how important are those sets going to be in your progression? Cause this isn't like torchlight anymore. There's actually, I'm assuming because you got the different sections going to be a certain amount of progression. When you get to those final bosses, are you really going to need those sets to, to boost your armor and everything? That, they will they are all all the sets are going to be very powerful and viable builds but you do not need to have sets to do it you can you can make it up out of uh you know regular uh you know one-off items that you find as well okay now you also introduced the third class which was the berserker now you've added new characters and i'm assuming you're going to be announcing that fourth one soonish yeah, it's, it, it's coming up soon. I don't know if we're doing it at PAX or what or, or when it is, but I know it's scheduled sometime, but I don't remember when when exactly. But it's coming soon. I mean, there isn't that much time left in total, so we'll be we'll be spilling all the beans pretty soon. <laughs> Are we looking at a melee type class, magic type class? You can tell yeah, we'll us. See. We we won't tell we'll anyone. See. You can tell us. I, all I will tell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's just us on this call, right? So, yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. <laughs> Okay, it's a wolf. It's a wolf mage. I, you guys got no. I'm just kidding. I made that up completely. I'd be um, good with it. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I, 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 we're not saying anything about it. But when it, when we, when it does come out, you will see that it, uh, uh, it does make it sort of completes a, a set with the others. Hopefully, if we, if we've designed it right and are right about it, it will seem like it's logical. And, and yeah, like you've gone through a lot of new things with the class as well, with making them customizable in their appearance, the gender selection. Like, was this something that you had planned for a long time or was listening to your fans and that's why you decided to put it in? No, it's really a, a, a factor of doing a multiplayer game. You know, you're going to have multi pe multiple, pe multiple people on the same screen that are the same class. And you really ha just have to, to do more customization so that everyone is more of, a, of an individual. Um, yeah, we would have liked to have gender choices and all that for Torchlight 1. But, you know, that's one of those one of a list of a thousand things that you could have done that seems like they're small, but if you do them all, then suddenly it's a two year project instead of an 11 month project. Um, so it was kind of one of the things that we thought could, you know, one, one of the theories of our game company and what we're doing is stripping down, uh, you know, sort of overwrought genres and overwrought games to the essentials of what makes them fun and what makes them cool. Um, and that means, you know, cutting, cutting things that, that might be kind of fun, but they just make it, uh, you know, uh, it's not worth the, the effort to, to do it all. Um, but for a multiplayer game, it, it definitely is. You know, you really have to have uh, the sense that your uh, berserker is different than someone else's berserker. 
Well, talking about that Berserker, it's the latest character you revealed. And at least to me, it's very interesting with the close range melee and the summoning of the animal spirits. It's definitely what I'm looking to be playing in the uh, in the game once it comes out. Um, is there really any more detail you can go into with that class? Um, new weapon type made for him with these claws. Uh, it introduces a new mechanic where, uh, you know, at certain frequency, you'll be able to do a double hit with the claws in one sort of melee round. Um, and mostly it's just a super fun class to play. I mean, I think it almost instantly became a lot of people's favorite class in the office just because it's just a blast to play with. You know, anyone that moves, that's a melee character that kind of is really responsive and moves quickly. Uh, it's just really fun to play. Plus he's a, you know, just a kind of a crazy looking guy and, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He's my favorite character class right now. Like, how are the characters fitting into the lore for Torchlight 2? Or is, the, is that something that you actually consider? You said that the four kind of blend together nicely, but is it also something that that type of character you're finding fits into that the lore of Torchlight? Yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, um, because of the way the lore has evolved over time, we may be renaming one of the existing character classes um, just because it doesn't really make sense anymore. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and and so that may be coming down the line. We're not sure if that's something that's, that you announce or not. Or you just do it. But <laughs> but uh, we were just talking about that earlier today. It's like, are we going to officially do that or, or, or what's going on? Because, um, well, I'll, I'll just tell you, the, 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 there aren't really a whole lot of rails in the world anymore. Hmm. Um, so a railman class doesn't really so much make sense, but, uh, we may keep it anyway, just cause that's what we all call them, right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it doesn't really make sense anymore. So it's something we're considering changing. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I mean, definitely there, the, the, the lore is in you, the, your character class is involved in, in what's happening and, uh, uh, it'll kind of be unveiled as you go re really a lot more about what the character classes are about. Well, see, that's something that I'm seeing as well with the what we're finding out about the what you're unveiling about the creatures and the monsters as well. Like you've got this very, very unique type of setting for for creating all of these very interesting creatures throughout. And it looks like your creative team must just be having an absolute blast working <laughs> on this. Yeah, you know, it's cool. When we made Torchlight 1... Um, we started the project with literally blank computers, no software, no tools, no nothing, not even, you know, Microsoft Word. And 11 months later, had to have a finished product. So, you know, a lot of that time was making the tools and establishing our look and, and uh, you know, all of the artists then waiting for all that to happen, then getting used to using the tools and getting used to using the, the level stuff. And, the, and um, this time that was all in place, you know, everything was up and running and we could start making Torchlight 2 stuff literally the day after Torchlight 1 was done. Um, and it's given them a huge head start and they're able to uh, spend more time on things and also just make a lot more stuff. Uh, so yeah, they're having fun because, you know, this time it was, they knew what was happening, knew what was coming down the pike and were already good at the tools. So uh, they're really running with it. Okay, what about uh, the additional complexity for the boss battles that you've added? We've seen the don't stand in bad boss attacks. What else kind of stuff can we expect? Well, you know, I, one of the general criticisms of Torchlight 1 was that it was a little bit easy. Um, so overall, we want to add a little bit more challenge to the game. And part of that is making the boss battles more interesting. So they'll have more varied attacks. They'll require that you move a little bit more or take certain, or, you know, uh, uh, think more about it than just like walking in and mashing a button. Um, and, uh, 
again, part of this is just because we have more time to spend on boss battles that we can make them more interesting and and a uh, uh, lot more varied than they were the first time around. You know, a lot of a lot of these things are simple. You know, just a matter of effort. You know, of of doing them over and over and effort and grind work. So having a little bit of extra time is really going to help a lot of these things that were you know maybe weaknesses of Torchlight One. Yeah, is that something that you're thinking about now when you're you're scripting out those boss battles? Are you thinking of it from the perspective of still the solo player, or you you know for a fact most people are going to be playing with others? So like you're going to be introducing different mechanics because it's a group now going after that boss. Um, well, we you know we make it a tougher uh, a tougher go when you have multiple people on screen, but we don't necessarily know for a fact that most people will be playing uh, uh, multiplayer. Um, so we're, uh, they may well be, but we're kind of uh, uh, approaching it as a fifty fifty sort of thing, where we make sure that everything plays you know well as a solo uh, player. But you know, we, like I said, we do ramp up the difficulties for multiplayer, and we do have skills that we're working on that are cool multiplayer skills. So, um, uh, you know, it's 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 a matter of balancing it all out so that so that it works for both. But we really don't want to abandon our single player market at all, and we want the game to still play well if you for people who don't like to go online because there are still quite a few. Now, with the scaling of difficulty um, based on how many players are in the game. How important would maybe crowd control be for trash? Is there any crowd control for like the various mobs or is that going to be included or is that something you guys haven't really considered? Um, well, it, it, it depends on how far you're, you're going with that. You know, I mean, there, there is some, um, we don't, gen it's hard to say, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're so much, so much changing. I, it's a tough, it's a tougher question to answer than you might think because a lot of it's ambiguous. Um, but in, you know, a lot of the skill work that we're doing it right now is establishing the character of the classes and, uh, and making them play differently. And, um, we're kind of moving right now as we get moving towards doing a lot more multiplayer testing, uh, figuring out how you make things work between players and with crowds and, and that sort of thing. Okay. Now, one of the things that Torchlight is also iconic for now already is the music, of course. And mm. this time around, you've gone all out and you're doing a symphony recording for Torchlight 2, and you're using the same symphony and conductor as you did with Diablo 2. Um, what's that been like? Yes. Uh, it, it, it's already done, and it was awesome. Um, it was a great experience. We, uh, we actually did the recordings after last year's Gamescom in Cologne, Germany. Uh, we uh, you know, we took the short flight over to uh, Bratislava, Slovakia, and uh, worked with the same orchestra and conductor that we did for the, it was actually the Diablo II expansion, uh, the Lord of Destruction expansion. Um, and man, it sounds great. Uh, you know, those guys are true professionals out there. And, um, you know, we have the same composer, obviously, also, and he's worked with them before. Uh, and uh, boy, we got some great stuff out of those sessions. And the music sounds great in the game. It's it's tough. You know, we show the game in, in shows like PAX or Gamescom or E3 or whatever. And those are really not the best venues for showing off music. <laughs> no, no, very loud. <laughs> so it's something that you don't really appreciate until you're sitting at home with the headphones, you know. And, uh, but boy, is it, it sounds great. Yeah. And it's so great to see that music growing with the rest of the game. Um, how much variety really is there in the score and are there any particular tracks we should really look out for? 
Um, well, there's ones that the guy that I, I, it's hard. I don't know what the names of the tracks are really. It's like it's hard to, to, to describe where they are. But uh, there's some that guys in the office are kind of humming along all day because they kind of get in your head just like that, you know, that old Diablo theme, uh, the Tristram theme did. Um, so and there's a couple of them that do that, that I find myself just kind of running through my head over and over and over. Uh, so, yeah, and it's also more varied. You know, we, we have different terrain types now and, and, you know, they required sort of a different sounding uh, uh, tone for them. So um, the music is a lot more varied, again, in response to the varied, uh, uh, you know, cultures and terrains that you're in. Yeah, that's something that I read in your music Q&A that really struck a chord with me as well. Not to use the bad pun there, but <laughs> and, and it's how much of that played into the the score selections for each section like would be where they are and what it looks like and things like that. Oh, a lot. I mean, we kind of knew what sort of areas we were going to be going into um, and, uh, you know, what sort of music we had to make going in. And uh, so our composer, Matt Ullman, um really really made it you know it's it's very cool the way that it sounds different for the different regions you're in but it all kind of carries the same sort of theme with it so it feels cohesive you know it's not like you're going completely uh, you've changed the radio station now you've gone to a new place um so uh but it's 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 really cool you know it, it it has a sort of a unifying theme that goes through it but it sounds totally different and appropriate for where you are not only for uh like i say the different cultures that are inhabiting the cities you go to but um the weather and you know you're sometimes you're out in the snow and you know you, that demands that are in a snow an ice cave and those demand a lot different sound than when you're you know in town in the desert um and matt did a great job of pulling it off just to quickly touch on that, the, the you're you're putting in weather conditions as well as uh, night and day and whatnot. Is there really is this much more cosmetic, or is there actually going to be uh, a bigger impact on how you're playing? Like you're saying, it's obviously going to make a difference in what score is selected. Is, anything right. else? Um, not really. You know, we, it's mostly cosmetic, and kind of the reason we do that is we don't want people like quitting out and starting again just to get the right time of day for what they want to do. Oh, good point. Um, yeah, and uh, and that sort of thing. So we just figured we would we would it, it's atmosphere, you know, whether it's raining or not, um, or or whatever is is more atmosphere than it is a gameplay mechanic for us. So coming back to multiplayer, um, making Torchlight two into a multiplayer game obviously is something that everybody's been looking for, including yourselves here. Mm-hmm. What uh, sort of challenges did you face trying to transition the game into a multiplayer format? What was um, the biggest obstacle you've had so far? Let's see, the biggest obstacle. Um, well, you know, the biggest obstacle really is decide, you know, there's so many ways to do multiplayer. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, the biggest decision was like, okay, what are we going to try to make a client server cheat free, uh, uh, totally secure environment, or are we going to go kind of the way we did with Torchlight one and give people a more flexible arrangement where they can play on the land, they can play single player, they can play over the internet on our matchmaking service. They can make mods with our mod tools and they can share their mods with other people. Um, you know, there's a lot of decisions on which way you go with it. And we went the latter route there, uh, and, and, making it as flexible as possible. So we're supporting land play. Uh, there's free on free play on the internet forever. Um, and we're also allowing people to use our development tools to make mods. And we you know, like with in Torchlight one, and we think the modding is going to be a lot bigger thing in Torchlight two, because, uh, you know, anytime you can share your mods in a multiplayer environment, it's just all that much more fun and more compelling. 
Well, you can also you're by doing that you're opening it up so that your modding community is the one that keeps the game growing as well. Like you obviously can as well by putting out DLC right. and expansions and whatnot. But it's the modding community that just keeps the game going as long as they they're they're interested in it because they have the tools to do so. Yeah, exactly. And the tools are super powerful. Just like Torchlight 1, you're getting the actual tool that we use to make the game. It hasn't been dumbed down. It hasn't been disabled. Um, and, uh, you know, it's super powerful. So a really, really motivated person could uh, is going to be able to make some pretty crazy mods and, and all the way through different levels, characters, animations, items, everything. Um, so I'm really excited to see what people are going to do with it. Okay. Thank you for that, by the way. Love those tools. Yeah. <laughs> now, you were talking about a uh, player size about four to eight. Are you still talking about that? Have you narrowed it down to a specific size? Yeah, that, that's really a max, uh, with the maximum that we're going to, uh, in default settings, let into a game. Um, my, for my money, it's, the, it's really designed for and most fun playing with between two and four people in any given area. Um, now, there's no guarantee or necessity in Torchlight 2 that... Uh, any two players are in the same proximity as any other two players. So you could have two newbies in the beginning of your game, uh, you know, in your session and two people right at the very advanced players right at the very end of the game. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's something where we're going to set what is a, is a reasonable maximum for the game, but in all honesty, it's probably something you're going to be able to open up our modding tool and put in whatever number you want. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I, should, I, I, I should say with the modding tool, it is perfectly uh, easy to break the game. So <laughs> don't go in with the expectation that you can just put anything in this modding tool and it pops out and it works in our game. Uh, you know, some things will break it. And if you put a thousand people into a level, it's probably going to crash. <laughs> there has to but be a will. common sense button. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it, it, it will, it is theoretically possible to put a lot more people into a game. All right. Now, I know you said a lot of the gameplay aspects are still kind of up in the air, but as far as multiplayer is concerned, can we expect any special uh, cooperative tactics? Um, yeah, I mean, we're gonna, we want to make it easier for you to find your, uh, your, your, uh, your, your party mates. Um, we want it to be something that is, that you can help the group in ways other than you're all just mashing on monsters. Um, you know, whether it's heals or buffs or curses or, or anything along those lines, um, it'll be different, you know, for different, for the different character classes. We don't really want to make a pure support class, um, because again, we want it to be a soloable game. Um, and, uh. Uh, but yeah, cooperative wise, it's, it's really all designed as a cooperative game. We're, we're going to have very de-emphasized PVP. Basically, you're going to be able to turn it on and, and kill your friend and we might make an arena. Um, but, uh, it's, it's really not, it's not really about that at all. That's kind of just to satisfy people's curiosity of who would win in a fight, um, than anything else. The whole game is designed as a, as a cooperative adventure. And is there any sort of aggro mechanic in the game for multiplayer? Um, how will the bosses and the enemies uh, choose which party members to attack? Um, it, you know, that's a good question. I don't know how they choose to, <laughs> to attack. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> I, I don't. Not being the guy that works on the AIs, I don't know what their decision making process is. <laughs> it's something uh, I was wondering too, whether or not it's the DPS that's whoever's DPS in the most is the one that's going to wind up having the boss, or if it's just completely random. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's probably somewhere in the middle where, yeah. uh, you know, it would do it based by proximity. You know, generally they, uh, especially if it's a big boss that has a melee attack is going to be looking at guys right next to him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if the ranged, uh, attacks look for farther away targets or not. That's a good question. 
Okay, what about to loot? Because in all honesty, we can talk about everything else in this game. All we care about is when we see that freaking yellow drop. <laughs> so <laughs> when we're talking about loot now in Torchlight 2, we know that if you see it, that means it's yours. However, how is that going to work now with boss fights? Are bosses going to drop more than one special item? Are we going to be rolling on it? And also... Are bosses going to draw better items based on how many people are in that game? No, they they will drop item. They will drop loot specifically for you. And so yes, if someone else kills the boss and you are in the proximity, you will have an item drop as well. But it will be based on your character. So if you have um, you know some extra magic find, it will take that into account in the roll for whatever you get. Uh, so it's really tailored to to what to your character. And uh, uh, but. Uh, as such, we're only always dropping a regular single-player amount of loot on each person's screen, huh. if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you might find that unique item when one of your, uh, you know, one of your your buddies kicks an urn, um, and you just happen to be there and you see it. Uh, but uh, you know, again, since it is only your loot that you see, we just drop the normal amount of loot all the time. Okay. Now cool. you'll be you will you'll be able to give someone uh, uh, you know even though you see it you you can take it and give it to your friend too. Um, because that's so one, one of the things that was great in Torchlight where something would drop and it encouraged you to make alts because you'd get this amazing item drop and think ah oh, that would be perfect yeah. for my other character or damn now I'm going to have to make another one. <laughs> right, right. And we're totally doing the shared stash again too so that you can pass oh, it on to your other awesome. characters. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Max, thank you so much for joining us again. This was fantastic. It's quite obvious by the giddiness in our voices how much we're looking forward <laughs> to this game. The only thing I can tell you right now, seriously, iPad. iPad or the PS Vita. <laughs> After seeing that ruin at uh, at E3 and how they're going to make it cross-platform, I said it before and I'll say it again. If you guys could set up Torchlight 2 to be cross-platform, I wouldn't even look at Diablo 3. I would be set for life. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's, it's a tough call. I think it would be an awesome tablet game, though, too. So, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of secretly hope that that we get to, to do that because it would really be cool. Even if it wasn't fully cross-platform, even if there was just a really good iPad version, that'd be pretty cool. Damn right. All right. So once again, <laughs> thanks for taking the time out. We do appreciate it. And the best of luck with Torchlight 2. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll uh, talk to you soon, I hope. All right. Thanks. wasn't for the coding i'd have a witty remark for you but meh whatever <laughs> i'll let you get away with that one <laughs> i am indoors <laughs> oh upgrade <laughs> you're just jealous because you can't pull things off like that oh i can he's just jealous because he sounds like he's outdoors <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel today. <laughs> There's your hat. And the rage ring. It's a kind of mellow rage. But it's yeah, rage. It's, 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 it's under the surface. No weird songs today, please. My brain won't be able to handle it. It'll explode all over the place. 
Uh, alright, did everybody Twitter? You know how hard is it to spell freaking runic games? It's not hard. Most people can handle it the first time. The first try. Me? Not so much. Maybe three. Eventually, it comes out. That's what she said. This is so sad. I've written five words. I have to reread it. Say, what did I say again? <laughs> <laughs> you should come make fun of my drugged out lack of common sense. When in doubt, just retweet. That's too long. <laughs> I would just come and make fun of me. <laughs> People will get the point. <laughs> Got a wrong, wrong window. What wrong window? I'm in the right window. You're not following. And why are you Shut messaging? Up. It's still pre-show. You can... Got it. What are you doing? What are you... I, that wasn't a message meant for you. Ah, well, save your free. Oh, see, this would have happened during the interview, numb nuts. You, <laughs> you would have screwed up, and my so freaking codeine brain would have been like, "What? What? Hold on, Max, we got a problem here. Apparently, we're in the wrong <laughs> so window." It would be my fault that your brain is putting. Yes, yes, it is. Uh -huh. Right now, Spoken it like is true Canadian. It is when you're doing this shit and mixing me up. That's not right, Needlehawk. Who is you? That's a new name. I don't recognize that one. Not that I'm trying to scare you off or anything. I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to put you on the spot. <laughs> it's somebody with no hands that can't type. I can't explain who I am. Sorry. <laughs> In my brain, that made sense. <laughs> that doesn't say much, Roger. I, it doesn't have to. Hoogs, just shut up. I'd show you my boobs, Hoogs. Oh, you can see mine. I ain't got nothing to hide. <laughs> I ain't afraid of you verbally assaulting me. You don't have the mental capacity. You just keep going back to the same goddamn jokes. Awesome. Holler when you are ready. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that would make this more awesome is if I was actually drinking. All I got is tea. Wife's home, huh? Yes, she is. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. <laughs> that bottle of wine went down really fast the other day. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Hi, the evidence. Good to be here. Welcome back to the show. Back to the show, yes. yes. Back to the show. He doesn't remember. <laughs> but that's all right. We don't expect anybody to remember. <laughs> it's been a long development cycle. <laughs> Indeed. Betty, better to be forgettable than to piss off your guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a little party coming up uh, on Friday uh, for our one millionth sale. Yeah, that was awesome. I was going to put that in the show as well. Big congratulations on that. Oh, thanks. Thanks a bunch. I'm responsible for it's five exciting. of those. Nice. <laughs> Every time it goes on sale, I'm buying it for friends and families. <laughs> Just Same play it. Trust it. Nice. Well, that's 0.0002%. So that's thank you. It's worth something. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it would take an exceptional case to, to add to our staff. 
Um, you know, it, given that nobody is looking like they're quitting or anything anytime soon. <laughs> well, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 